informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. Welcome into AOA, Agriculture of America, here today. Thank you so much for joining us once again. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. We have a great show lined up for you here as we have very hot temperatures across much of the central part of the country for this week ahead. We're going to talk weather. We're going to get an update on things with John Baranek from DTN Weather coming up here in segment two today. In segment three today, Tom Hag, president of the National Corn Growers Association, will be joining us. We talk about the latest on the dispute panel between the U.S. and Mexico with uh, Mexico looking to uh, ban certain U.S. corn imports and more. We're going to get an update on that situation and more here in segment three today. And then in segment four, I will wrap things up. We have a few other news headlines we want to take a look at. Ag trade back in the news headlines once again. A lot of talk around China with the recent WTO ruling and more. So we're going to touch on a few different topics coming up here at the end of the show today. Kicking things off with us here today, Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst at Bar Chart. And Darren, got an interesting uh, week ahead of us here with the markets. And I know you know, we get the calendar turned to late August and we tend to see a lot of seasonal turns, especially in that corn market, Darren. Yeah, we certainly do, Jesse. I mean, this is one of the times and and, and, and it's interesting that we you know we were looking at at uh, at December corn here. Seasonally, this is the time of year, you know, on the five year index that I like to show, you know, it's it's last week is the normal low weekly close. Well, this time around, it was probably the week before if it follows its seasonal pattern. If we look at the 10 year uh, study, it is the it's first week in uh, first weekly close of September. So we're right in that time frame when December corn tends to post uh, again, a low weekly close. But there's always an asterisk. And and what's been interesting about, you know, say the 2020 through 2023 uh, corn pattern so far is it's very similar to what the cash index did from 2010 through 2014. So if that's the case, then the equivalence would be, you know, the December 2013 contract and the, and the December 2023 contract. With the 2013, in this same time frame, we saw it rally weekly closes only about 30 cents. Well, so far we've been able to tack on a little bit here. You know, we, we've seen the DS contract rally, hot weather forecast and all this. But after we saw a three to four week rally back in 13, the, the same December contract fell 60 cents to a new low in November. So mm-hmm. I don't think we're out of the woods yet. I still think we're looking at a big corn crop and there's still this idea that we could see a contra seasonal sell-off in DS corn. Well, and I think about uh, the hot weather across mm-hmm. much of the Corn Belt here this week. And more of an impact on soybeans, mm-hmm. you know, beans made in August, but still some of that final finishing of corn could have an impact here as, I mean, we see 100-degree temps bearing down on some of the driest areas in the Corn Belt here this week. I wonder if that could have any impact in the markets this week, Darren. Well, it sure could. I mean, but it's always interesting, you know, if if we stay cool and wet like we did in july everyone's yelling about hey you know we don't have enough heat degree units this that and everything else um but then once it turns hot they're saying you know the corn's going to die because now it's too hot but what happened to the argument about heat degree units i don't know um if we look at the soil moisture changes at least from sunday to sunday 
we didn't see a lot of deterioration. In fact, we saw much of the area show slight improvement in its in its soil moisture anomalies. And this is based on National Weather Service maps. Now, again, that's from Sunday to Sunday. So the worst of it was Saturday and Sunday. So now we'll wait for another week to go down the road and then we'll check again. Uh, it could start to get bad. But what we're seeing is the soil moisture situation is actually holding together relatively well so far across the Midwest. So yes, is there a threat to the soybean market? Yes, and we can see that the way the market's reacting, the way China continues to make some purchases. But in the corn, I, I know the arguments out there that we're taking the top off this off this production possibility, but I think we have to wait and see. The market's telling us something different with our real fundamentals of basis and future spreads getting a little less bullish as we go. Well, Darren, I know as well, you, you talk about seasonal turns and uh, your article you had here last week on Bar Chart, SP 500. That's something that typically we see a seasonal turn here in August and September, isn't it? It is. And, and it's so funny. I mean, we sit there and watch the financial news media and, and they're just going on and on and on about, oh, how bearish everything is all of a sudden. You know, how can the markets, how can the indexes be going lower when we've got these good earnings coming out and all of this and all of that? It's a seasonal play. Uh, you know, normally from from August through September, the you know the S and P five hundred does tend to trend down. Again, looking at weekly closes only, and we can see this on the five, ten, twenty, and thirty year pattern. So it's not something that's out of the ordinary. But then, as we head into the October, November, December timeframe, the last quarter of the year, we usually see markets, the three indexes, particularly the S and P five hundred, start to move higher again. So. I, I don't know that all of the hand wringing and gnashing of teeth is really necessary. Because if we look at it from a seasonal point of view, uh, certainly gives us something to watch, certainly gives us something to talk about. But I'm not overly concerned, you know, about the long term uptrend in this S&P 500 just because we're, we're down for a few weeks. Well, Darren, as well, I know we have that uh, symposium in Jackson Hole, Wyoming this mm -hmm. week. And I know that's something that the financial markets will no doubt be watching here just to see what is said, what comes out of that meeting this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm not looking for any surprises. Uh, you know, Chairman Powell is not one to you know just go off the cuff and, and, and start making things up as he goes along. What he mm -hmm. will say is most likely what he's already said, that we should expect another rate increase, possibly in the September meetings. Uh, that, you know, what, what, I'm, what I'm interested in is, yes, what Chairman Powell has to say, but if we look at the Fed futures forward curve, always fun to say, uh, and we see that, you know, there for a while it was showing pretty good chance of a possible decrease in rates in the December meeting, in the November-December meeting. That has backed off a little bit. We're seeing the future spread flatten out a little bit. There's not as good a chance that we see a decrease. So while we could see another increase in September in, in the interest rates, we may not get that cut in 2023. It may be at some point in 24. Darren, also the cattle market here real quick before we uh, run out of time. I know we had a cattle on feed report last Friday, looked to be relatively in line to friendly for the market, but also seasonally, this is the time of year where we see that live cattle market turn as well, Darren. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I didn't see anything that really stood out to me in the cattle on feed. I know you've got, you'll be talking about that in more detail, but yeah, from a seasonal point of view, this is a time of year where cattle start to move higher. And so the, the issue is here, if we bring in some other market factors, like how high the market is already from, you know, from distribution point of view, price distribution, we have to question ourselves, is there going to be buyers up here? Is there going to be folks still willing to buy the market and push it higher at this point? We'll have to see. Again, if we see a contra-seasonal sell-off, 
simply means that something has changed fundamentally. So certainly something to watch as we uh, move through the fall quarter. Definitely. Well, and of course, with summer grilling demand starting mm-hmm. to wrap up as well, that's that's one of the big drivers here. I mean, I'll, I'll still go gr- grill a steak in November, but yeah, I know some <laughs> folks turn away from that here into the fall, Darren. Right, right. <laughs> well, hey, uh, we appreciate the time as always and the insights here on the program. Thanks for joining us, Darren. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me on, Jesse. Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst at Bar Chart, joining us here today on AOA. We're going to get an update on that hot weather forecast for this week. We'll also talk about the remnants of Tropical Storm Hillary on the West Coast and more. John Baranek with DTN joins us next here on AOA. Are you heading to the Farm Progress Show in Decatur? Stop by the Trelleborg booth on 10th Street and see Mike Pearson and me, Jesse Allen, broadcasting live. Learn about the HF1000 and features that minimize soil compaction. We will be broadcasting live from Trelleborg booth 1062 from 9 to 10 a.m. on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from the Farm Progress Show. That's Trelleborg booth 1062 from 9 to 10 a.m. We'll see you in Decatur. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge, but with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com slash rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. In today's troubled world, our USA Armed Forces stand ready to protect you, your family, and our American way of life. When veterans return to civilian life, they deserve your recognition and support. You can help put vets to work by donating your car, truck, or van to Patriotic Hearts. Your donation will directly support programs to help vets find jobs or even start their own business. Donate today for fast, free pickup of your vehicle, running or not. Operators are standing by to answer questions about making a tax-deductible vehicle donation. Find out how you can make a difference in the life of a United States veteran. Call 800-209-6416 for 24-hour response. Call 800-209-6416. 800-209-6416. That's 800-209-6416. You are not your diagnosis. A medical chart is not your identity. And vision loss does not define you. Your drive shows who you are. And you are not alone. Because we are driven too. To be a beacon of strength. A champion of courage. An advocate for hope. You are not alone. Because we are stronger together. We drive the research for the cures we are finding. We're fighting macular degeneration, retinitis pigmentosa, Usher syndrome, and the entire spectrum of blinding retinal diseases. We fund. We fight. We We win. We, we, we We are are the Foundation foundation Fighting Blindness. Blindness. Together, we are fighting blindness. Join the fight at fightingblindness.org. 
Informing America's Farmers and Ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Well, I queued up the wrong uh, segment intro music here. I should have played hot, 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 because that is what it is going to be this week for many folks across the country, squarely seeing uh, a heat ridge built in across much of the Corn Belt and Plains states with ridge riding activity around it. We're going to talk about all of that and get an update on what this forecast is looking like here for the week ahead. John Baranek with DTN is joining us. John, good to have you back on the show. And uh, man, oh man, a lot of folks are probably uh, going to be uh, using up their air conditioning this week with uh, upper 90s and 100 degree temps across much of the Corn Belt. Oh, it's just going to be a brutal week, Jesse. Um, there's really no escaping it either. Unless you're on the very far northern edge of the country or out in the west, um, it's just going to be a brutal stretch of days here. And we already saw it kind of start building in um, over the weekend. And, you know, we've had triple digit heat from Texas and it's starting to creep its way northward mm-hmm. here today. But, you know, it really peaks out Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday this week. Uh, it's going to be the most widespread, the hottest. Um, we're going to see record temperatures probably falling across a lot of these, the South Central U.S. Um, even uh, Minneapolis could even uh, break their record if they hit the 100-degree mark up here on Wednesday, which is certainly possible. I think the forecast right now is 97, 98 degrees at DTN. So mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it's going to be it's going to be brutal for just about everybody here for the next several days. Well, and looking at that brutal forecast as well, I, I think about the the latest drought monitor, which has been, you know, getting a little bit better. But you look at parts of Iowa, Nebraska, southern Minnesota, Wisconsin; those are the areas where there's still a lot of reds and oranges and yellows. And I mean, that's where this is, as you're alluding to, is going to be centered on this week. So one has to think that this could potentially have some impact on on soybeans especially but corn as well in some of this late season development yeah absolutely i mean and of course you know the uh the more or the the less development you've had on your your crops right now the more at risk there are uh, obviously so um yeah this this stretch is not going to be good because you know it comes with complete dryness so um we're not we're not looking at any significant precipitation for for much of uh, of the country really here um especially when we talk about you know the main heart of the the, the growing areas right in the midwest so yeah. um, we'll get a little bit around the peripheries here uh, and we can talk about that in a sec but i mean the drought is centered you know just like as, as you mentioned there around iowa and all the surrounding states so mm-hmm. um i mean that's it's it's not going to be a, a fun week uh we're definitely seeing yield reduction out of it um luckily we're not talking about um you know pollination right now so we're kind of mm-hmm. lucking out of that we're in we're in the fill period for just about everybody unless you're double cropping soybeans or something like that but yeah um you know we've got uh it, it's it's not a good stretch to have heat um you know it's just just one of those things and it's unfortunate for a lot of us because we've been dealing with drought um you know for so long um you know even with the good rains we've had over the last you know say six weeks or so um you know it's not like we built up a lot of soil moisture uh the crops have just been using it as it's been coming so Mm -hmm. um it's 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 gonna be a tough week that's that's for sure and anybody who's got livestock or any animals or needs to be outside working it's it's not going to be fun either so uh you know He'd, uh, he'd all the warnings that you see. It's, it's definitely real. Um, make sure to take plenty of water breaks if you do need to be working outside and uh, get, get the AC running as much as possible. 
We're talking with John Baranek, DTN meteorologist. John, let's turn our attention to the West Coast. We had Hurricane Hillary, then Tropical Storm Hillary, made landfall over the weekend, and it's something that's uh, bringing a lot of heavy rain to parts of the West, but also, as you alluded to, we're, we're seeing this moisture kind of work its way, this ring of fire type effect with this ridge. It's working its way around the top side, the northern edge of the ridge, through parts of the northern plains and uh, Canadian prairies here this week. Yeah, that's right. I mean, um, yesterday, so August 20th, was only the second day or the only the second year ever that Los Angeles has recorded rainfall on August 20th. And they just wow. happened to get, you know, about three inches of rain out of it. So it was kind of incredible to see. But, you know, this is this is a desert. And when you get widespread heavy rainfall like that, I mean, it's just just a, a recipe for flooding and disaster down there. So we're hearing all sorts of reports on that. Uh, luckily, all that is, is kind of diminishing. It's, it's working its way northward a bit. Um, but, you know, a lot of these areas in the Pacific Northwest could still use some pretty decent rain. I know it'll it'll mess up some of their, their wheat harvest and stuff like that. But, you know, they've, they've built in some drought and there's wildfires going on up there that uh, could use the rainfall. So we'll get some help out of that. But, uh, yeah, it's going to go up through there, through the Pacific Northwest, through Montana, up into uh, the southern Canadian prairies. Kind of misses a lot of of the U.S., but um, it, it'll it'll work its way down into the northeast here for Thursday and Friday. Uh, may scrape through kind of the Great Lakes area, so Michigan might see some showers out of it. Ohio could even see a little bit of rainfall out of it here later this week. But um, yeah, it's it's just gonna kind of ride just like you said, ring of fire right around the the northern edge of uh, or right mm -hmm. around the edge of that uh, ridge here throughout the week. Well, John, as we look ahead here later in the week, as we're towards uh, the end of August with this big heat dome parked across the country, I think a lot of folks are going to be asking, how long is this going to stick around? Will this heat dome break apart? Will we get some moisture after a few days of intense heat? What What are you seeing with that forecast looking 6, 10, 14 days out right now? Yeah, well, we'll definitely get a break in the heat. Uh, and Hillary is actually going to have some part of that. Uh, its remnants, as it goes around the ridge, will kind of start breaking it down and, and help it bring a, a cold front that's situated up across the north, south through the, through the really the bulk of the Corn Belt, even down into the southeast here uh, by this weekend. So uh, we'll get a, a break from the heat. We've got, you know, several days of it, and we're talking about 90s, 100 degrees for, for a lot of days here. Uh, but we do get a break in that. Um, and it's it's interesting. Uh, the models kind of disagree on how cool this air might be. The the European model is kind of near average. Uh, but the, the GFS model says, you know, several de degrees below normal. So uh, we might see some 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 good uh, break in the, in the heat. But that ridge is going to be out in the western states there. And it's going to mm -hmm. park its way out there um, through the end of August and into September. And occasionally it's going to send some pieces eastward. Now, I don't think we're going to get any crazy heat bursts like uh, we're going to see this week out of it. But, you know, we'll see above normal temperatures here continuing to kind of impact um, uh, the middle of the country uh, go well, going well into, into September. Um, as far as any precipitation is concerned, you know, it's, it's a little tricky. There's, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the front you'd expect with all the heat and humidity around to really um, have plenty of showers and thunderstorms, but models really aren't excited about it too much. There is a little caveat to that, and there is a little tropical system moving through the Gulf of Mexico, and it may become a tropical storm before reaching landfall tomorrow in uh, far southern Texas or northern Mexico. doesn't really bring a whole lot of precipitation to 
to Texas, really, although the, the drought down there in South Texas is, is pretty real. So a few folks down there might get a little bit of, of needed rainfall. Mm -hmm. That little tropical system actually moves through the, the, uh, the Four Corners area, and um, it may attach itself to that front moving south uh, this weekend. So we may see it kind of increase rainfall across Nebraska, Kansas, uh, you know, maybe Thursday, but more likely Friday into Saturday. And then models kind of have it moving to the southeast towards Tennessee here for early next week. We'll see how that all goes. I mean, we know how tropical things are, are not handled that well by models. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll see how that all plays out. But at least there's some chance for building at least a little bit of rain for some areas. Uh, otherwise, this front looks actually pretty dry. And it's uh, really disappointing to see that uh, just based on all the heat we've had and uh, will have had and you know, need a, a good dousing of rain after that. I'm not so sure we're going to get a lot of it. Now, these fronts that kind of come in behind it uh, through the end of August and into September, um, you know, with those kind of behind those bursts of heat that, that mm -hmm. move through as well, might bring some, you know, occasional showers through. Uh, and hopefully we'll see some of those. But uh, it's a little little sketchy right now. Um, if, if anything is, um, yeah. you know, silver lining, the, the upper Midwest does look like, the better area for getting some of these showers from some of these fronts through early September. We'll see on that. But, um, uh, and then the tropics are always a, a topic of conversation. They're, they're definitely alive here uh, mm -hmm. this week, but um, you know, that could quickly calm down for next week and, and points beyond. Well, John, as well, real quick, South America. Uh, I know watching some of the longer-range models for Brazil and Argentina, there are there are some questions that things could maybe be a little drier in parts of Brazil, but maybe a little wetter in southern Brazil, northern Argentina. I know there's a there's a lot of folks uh, kind of taking a look at a lot of the models right now. Any uh, quick updates on what we're seeing long-range for South America? Yeah, I mean, actually, in the short range is a little something more promising for central Brazil. They've got a front coming through that'll bring some showers to central Brazil. Usually, we don't see that until uh, late September or early mm -hmm. October. Um, so this is way ahead of schedule for that. And honestly, El Nino is a good thing for southern, uh, for South America, for both mm -hmm. Argentina and Brazil. Uh, it does bring some drier conditions to parts of the Amazon and, and central Brazil, but dry is a relative term. When you're talking normally, they get eight to 12 inches of rainfall uh, a month yep. uh, down there during the rainy season. You know, getting a, an inch or two less than normal is not really going to impact them much. So really, it's it's a, a overall benefit uh, for South America, both Argentina and Brazil. Well, great thoughts as always. We appreciate the time. John Baranek with DTN. Thanks for joining us here on AOA this week. Thanks for having me on, Jesse. All right, coming up next, we'll talk with Tom Hag, president of the National Corn Growers Association. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Non-attorney paid spokesperson. Could your house go into foreclosure? Are you behind on your mortgage payments? Foreclosure protection services can help save your home as they specialize in foreclosure assistance. If you're behind on your mortgage payments, being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, or been the victim of a predatory loan, call foreclosure protection services now at 800-926-1701. Their network of attorneys and their agents are available to speak to you now. Call foreclosure protection services now at 800-926-1701. That's 800-926-1701. When people look at your farm, they just see corn. But to you, it's a lot more than that. It's a college fund, your retirement plan, and it deserves trait protection that can stand up to heavy pressure threats like corn woodworm. 
SmartStacks Pro with RNAi technology is trusted on over 1 million acres to protect the things that mean more. Trade up at SmartStacksPro.com. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bayer Group. All rights reserved. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Risvet with this market update. Grains and livestock are mixed right now. Beans are up sharply. Corn is up slightly. Wheat is lower. And livestock fats and feeders are higher, while hogs are leaking lower. Now, the Pro Farmer Midwest Crop Tour started at two locations this morning. The tour is divided into two groups that cover the same routes that they've been traveling throughout the long history of the tour so that the results can be compared to previous years. Now, one group moves systematically through the eastern portions of the Midwest, while the other group moves through the western areas. Now, the consistency of these routes does make sense from an analytical standpoint. However, it may not bring participants to see corn in some significant production areas. The geographic makeup of the Corn Belt has changed a great deal over the past 15 to 20 years, with corn acreage making some dramatic shifts to the west. North and South Dakota, along with Minnesota and Kansas, are much greater players in corn production than they used to be, while production has shifted out of the east to some extent. Nonetheless, though, this week's tour will provide our best look at the corn and soybean crops to date. They'll be posting pictures of some very good crops, as well as some very poor crops on social media and everything in between. Now, we'll probably see more problems than the crop ratings would suggest so far. However, we should pay more attention to the consistency of the reports from the field than the actual numbers. Regardless, though, this week's tour participants are expected to shed light on this week's extreme heat in central and western areas of the Corn Belt. The heat breaks this weekend, but most areas will remain dry into the second week as well. Now, that's not a recipe for finishing this year's crops on a positive note, with high nighttime temps adding to yield losses as well. The VIX is trading near 18 this morning. Yields on 10-year treasuries are trading near 4.33%, which is again just a short distance from 15-year highs. Crude oil prices are also about 1% higher. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. Welcome back to AOA. And I know uh, coming up here next week, we're going to be at the Farm Progress Show in Decatur, Illinois. And I'm sure some of the topics that might be of uh, conversation pieces during the show amongst uh, folks uh, making their way around the grounds, the farm bill, and also maybe uh, what's going on with trade issues between the U.S. and Mexico when it comes to biotech corn. 
Well, the uh, U.S. has established a dispute panel on Mexico's biotech measures. And here to uh, talk with us more about that and other issues impacting corn, we have the president of the National Corn Growers Association with us, Tom Hag. Tom, it's great to talk with you again. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Jesse. Uh, great to be on this morning. Uh, we uh, we got a little heat coming our way in Minnesota this week uh, to push things along. So uh, hopefully uh, it turns out okay. But you know we were we've been short on moisture up in our neck of the woods. So uh, yeah. but it's uh, it's good to be on and be talking uh, agriculture with you and especially for corn farmers. Definitely. Well, and I, I should ask you real quick. You mentioned some of that heat coming into Minnesota and a lack of moisture. How is the uh, how is the crop holding up there in your neck of the woods, Tom? Well, in my neck of the woods, we're uh, you know we were dry the first part. We've been getting some rains uh, the last part, but uh, we got about two and a half inches here a week ago, which is thank goodness we got that because if we wouldn't. Uh, you would be seeing a lot more stress out there in the fields. Uh, the top end is off, but uh, we're hoping for a good average crop, uh, hopefully in that 165 to 170, because our APH is a little bit higher than that. But uh, we'll know when the combines get in. That's when the true is everybody knows when the combines run is what we'll get for a yield. Definitely couldn't agree more. We'll uh, hope that everything finishes out here nicely the next month or so, and we get those combines into the field here as we get into the fall time frame. All right, Tom, as I mentioned, uh, the U.S. Uh, Trade Representative Catherine Tai has announced that the United States is establishing a dispute settlement panel under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, the uh, Mexico biotech corn issue. This has uh, been a, a talking point, a sticking point here now for uh, quite a few months and uh, get us up to speed on on this situation Tom I know this is kind of the the next step in this ongoing process isn't it exactly right uh, Jesse this is uh, this was important because uh, we've got to give a shout out to the Biden administration and ambassador Ty to to getting us to this point when I took over as president uh, the first part of October we were discussing what kind of issues we should jump on and uh, you know, Mexico was very quiet at that time, so we started bringing this up, National Corn did, and uh, nobody was uh, paying that close attention, but we did not give up on it, and we kept putting pressure on uh, the ambassador there with USCR, and, uh, you know, we talked with the USDA, Tom Vilsack, the Secretary of Ag, and uh, eventually, uh, you know, they got to uh, the point where, hey, this is starting to get serious, and... Uh, they wanted to cut off both of our yellow corn and white corn going into Mexico. Well, that would have been just a disaster because of they are our larger imp, our largest importer of corn. So we're happy this uh, panel now is put together. The scientific data that they signed should come into play and prove that uh, our corn, that we've been growing GMO corn for over 20 years, is safe and uh, good for you know there's nothing wrong with it for human consumption well and that's part of the issue here as well is that uh, from what we keep hearing tom that mexico what they're trying to do it's not based on science it, it, and it's running kind of counter to a lot of uh, a lot of evidence here decades worth of research that that says it's safe for human consumption animal feed and more a lot of what they're trying to do is not based on science, is it? No, I think they're going based a lot on emotion. 
I, uh, we know that the, the president is uh, very vocal that uh, is not in favor of uh, GMO products, but uh, you know he's the one that signed the the, the USMCA agreement. So if he would have had an issue, my thinking, why did he sign it in the first place and didn't complain about it back then? And all of a sudden now you sign it and years down the road here, you're not happy with what you signed. And we just want to make sure that when this panel is going through the discussion that they use the scientific data and everything that uh, we've proven as that it's a safe product that what uh, corn farmers grow. We are talking with Tom Hegg, the president of the National Corn Growers Association here on AOA Today. Tom, as we get this dispute panel going, it feels like for now we'll be in a, a bit of a holding pattern again until uh, the dispute panel goes through their process. Is that how I, I, is that the best way to understand this right now? That's the best way to understand it. And if you take out the long-range forecast, it could take up to a year. Well, that would put Mexico in election mode with bringing in a new president. So, you know, a lot could happen. Is he going to want to say, okay, I'm going to back off and uh, make sure my party can be effective with maybe having a chance to be the new president? Or are they going to continue to be their way uh, of not wanting to accept what we grow? So... It's a, it'll be a next interesting less than a year with uh, Jesse to have this information coming forth towards us. Tom, let's uh, shift gears and talk Farm Bill a little bit. I know things are, are quiet in Washington, D.C. here for the month of August, but we're going to ramp it back up in September. And I know you've been a part of uh, some of the Farm Bill roundtable discussions and more. And uh, what's the latest you're hearing with, with the Farm Bill and some of those discussions on the ground? I know, for one, it's sounding like that we're not going to get this done by September 30th, but more so by the end of the calendar year. So that's one side of the coin. And then the other side of the coin, the the thing I keep hearing the most is that protecting crop insurance is, is what a lot of uh, farmers across the country are wanting to make sure happens with the farm bill. Well, I've, uh, that's, that's a great point, Jesse, because I had a chance to uh, go ahead of the subcommittees and testimony in uh, D.C. last year and this year and that was our number one concern with corn growers is that they make sure that crop insurance is left alone. It's a uh, farmers use it. They, they found out that how mo well it's in our toolbox. So that is the big thing when it comes to getting for an, uh, a new farm bill. Uh, you know, Chairman Thompson from Pennsylvania has made it clear that he'd like to get when he gets back to in September, Let's get the groundwork worked and hopefully can get it brought up on the House side and maybe get a chance to have it voted through. He'd like to get it pushed through. We know Chairman or Chairwoman Stabenow on the Senate side would like to get it pushed through because this is her last farm bill, and I'm sure that she would like to go out with that too. So we're hoping for September, but like I say, we all know how D.C. works. I'd like to make sure it gets done by the end of the year because if we go in the next year with a political year, um, I'm not so confident we could have something done next year. Well, and I think, too, uh, part of the issue, Tom, of course, is we want to make sure we get it done correctly. We want, we want a farm bill that is robust and done the right way and not necessarily rushed through. But to your point, 
Uh, if we get this thing caught up in a political year, uh, hard to say what that could bring for for the farm bill. And it's, it's such an important piece of legislation for this country as a whole, isn't it? Yes, it is. You know, and, and, and you, you did make a good statement there when you said, let's get it done the correct way. And we've heard that from all the four pillars, uh, you know, the two ranking members and also the two chair persons that we want this thing to be done the right way, not just to get it pushed through. So that is a good point that you brought up, Jesse. Well, Tom, uh, before we run out of time and let you go, I mean, obviously with the farm bill and the Mexico issue, those are two big things that are in front of the uh, National Corn Growers Association right now. A anything else you're watching uh, as an organization here as we uh, work through the rest of August right now? Well, I, and I think the other thing, coming back to this, this, this Mexico situation, mm -hmm. If something was going to happen in Mexico, there's rumblings that we have other countries that would not want to accept our GMO products also. And if that's the case, this thing could uh, it, it, it could really be a, make that snowball a lot bigger. So we are very concerned that we want to make sure this Mexico decree and lawsuit is done the correct way and that we can come out winning. And just to show these other countries that, hey, there's nothing wrong with what we're growing here. You know, I've I've been growing non-GM or GMO corn for 20 plus years, and what? If, thank goodness that we have it because we were able to produce more than what we could prior to that uh, with just using non-GMO products. Yeah, and uh, to your point, it's you know as we think about opening up new trade avenues or growing current trade relationships, uh, I, I never thought of that, but this could be an issue if something were to happen with Mexico here. Uh, that could impact other countries. That's a, that's a great point you raised, Tom, as we think about our trade around the world. Yes, is exactly right. And when we heard that, we're going, oh, boy, that's how serious this thing could go. So that's why uh, that's why it was one of my front uh, objections this year, object, not a goal this year, is to make sure that this thing gets looked at and uh, we get some things settled out of this uh, decree that's going on with Mexico. So it's a... Uh, it's very important because if we would happen to lose, I would I hate to say where our export would go and uh, what type of corn we'd be growing in the future. Well, great insight, great thoughts, and we do appreciate the time here on AOA today, and we'll look forward to uh, getting you back on the show and having a conversation again real soon. Tom Hag, president of the National Corn Growers Association. Tom, uh, do your best. Stay cool here this week in Minnesota, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Jesse, and I will be in Farm Progress next week, so hopefully we can run into each other there. I will look forward to that. We'll make time to run into each other there at the Farm Progress show. That's Tom Hag, the president of the National Corn Growers Association. Up next, we'll take a look at some of the uh, latest news headlines in agriculture here on AOA. As an organ donor... Your story doesn't have to end, but good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating, your kidneys could keep filtering, and your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. 
you're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad. Your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey. Why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Join us the first Wednesday of every month on AOA for the latest episode of The Monthly Grind with our friends at the National Corn Growers Association. We'll discuss the latest topics surrounding the corn industry, the relationships between corn and other parts of the agricultural supply chain, the newest initiatives and partnerships from NCGA's Market Development Action Team, and much more. That's the first Wednesday of every month for The Monthly Grind on AOA. It's a show you don't want to miss. Are you heading to the Farm Progress Show in Decatur? Stop by the Trelleborg booth on 10th Street and see Mike Pearson and me, Jesse Allen, broadcasting live. Learn about the HF1000 and features that minimize soil compaction. We will be broadcasting live from Trelleborg booth 1062 from 9 to 10 a.m. on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday from the Farm Progress Show. That's Trelleborg booth 1062 from 9 to 10 a.m. We'll see you in Decatur. Challenge. It's not something you shy from. It's a chance to up your game. Every day brings a new challenge, but with the Enhanced Channel Seed brand on your side, you can rise to it. With our top-performing seed, innovative digital tools, and expanded agronomic support, you can turn tomorrow's challenges into your next advantage. Your Enhanced Channel Seed brand. Let's rise to the challenge. Learn more at channel.com rise. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. The average American eats 250 eggs per year, which translates to a total annual consumption of 76.5 billion eggs in the U.S. About 60% of eggs produced here in the U.S. are used by consumers, and about 9% are used by the food service industry. A chef's hat is said to have a pleat for each of the many ways you can cook eggs. The color can range from white to deep brown. Hens with white feathers and earlobes lay white-shelled eggs, while hens with red feathers and earlobes lay brown-shelled eggs. Because breeds that lay brown eggs are typically slightly larger birds, they require more food, making brown eggs usually more expensive than white. You can tell whether an egg is fresh or stale by dropping it in water. A fresh egg will sink, but a stale one will float. Eggs also contain all the essential protein, minerals, and vitamins, and egg yolks are one of the few foods that naturally contain vitamin D. And eggs are also good for your eyes because they contain lutein, which helps prevent age-related cataracts and muscle degeneration. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. 
The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, AOA. Now back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back here to AOA. Today, as we take a look at a few news headlines and interesting stories we are watching in the world of agriculture. Well, a new report issued by the Center for a Humane Economy and Animal Wellness Action directly responded to opposition to the Ending Agricultural Trade Suppression, or EATS Act. Now, the group say that a diversified pig production sector is already in place to meet the modest demand created by Prop 12 in California and Question 3 in Massachusetts for more humanely raised pork. Wayne Paselli, president of the Center for a Humane Economy, says groups like the National Pork Producers Council are using false arguments to make their points. One falsehood is that the California measure and the Massachusetts measure ban farrowing crates. That is untrue. An honest reading of the statutes that were adopted thanks to the actions of voters indicate that the only restricted practice has to do in terms of production strategies with gestation crates, which are pre-birthing crates. We've heard from a number of the lawmakers that this measure is so terrible that it would allow the crushing of the piglets. Again, it's just erroneous. He says California and Massachusetts voters are not telling other farms across the country how to raise pigs. We've heard from NPPC that California is 15% of the market for U.S. produced pork. And then you add Massachusetts onto that, it gets to about 20%. Our report today shows that California and Massachusetts combined, adding up all of the market demand in both states, given a proper reading of the ballot measure, accounts for 6%, not 15%, not 20% of U.S. production. So in short, 6% of production would satisfy the entire demand for California and Massachusetts based on population and past consumption patterns in those states. Paselli says the laws will not shut down all pork shipments into California and Massachusetts. What NPPC fails to mention, and what the lawmakers who are advocates of this legislation fail to mention, is that both California and Massachusetts in the statutes that voters approved by landslide margins exempt processed pork, combined pork, frozen pork, and a number of other pork products that in California alone constitute about 42% of pork sales. So nearly half of pork sales destined for California and for Massachusetts need not comply with the space requirements that are stipulated and that are the heart of the measure. For producers who don't want to or can't afford to change their production methods, Paselli says they have plenty of other places to ship their pork. So when you really add this all up, 50 states and add up 139 nations, consider each state and each country a market, there are 189 markets for U.S. produced pork. 187 of those markets are available to conventional pork producers. So how anyone with a straight face could possibly say 
that Iowa pork producers or Kansas pork producers or Minnesota or North Carolina or Indiana or Illinois pork producers or anybody else must change their ways in order to sell their product is wrong. If gestation crate farmers wish to continue with that extreme confinement practice, they've got 187 of 189 markets that they can access. Well, the report also points out that 40% of breeding sows across the country are already in group housing systems. Dr. Jim Keen, DVM, the report's chief author, says groups like the NPPC are exaggerating the market impact of California and Massachusetts ballot measures by up to 300%. And again, that is comments uh, from Wayne Pacelli, president of the Center for a Humane Economy. We're hopefully uh, going to be connecting with the National Pork Producers Council and hear their thoughts on this issue. I know we have reached out for comment and for an interview here, and we'll hopefully have that on a future episode of AOA. And also hoping to hear comments on the EATS Act itself with Senator Roger Marshall of Kansas. I know we've reached out to the Senator's office as well to try and get comments on this story, which is definitely a uh, big talking point right now throughout agriculture. Well, strengthened farm real estate values persisted in the second quarter despite some moderation in the farm economy and higher interest rates. The Kansas City Federal Reserve says growth in farmland values eased from the surge in recent years but remained strong through the first half of 2023. Now, broad strength in farm finances during recent years throughout the district continued supporting agricultural credit conditions. Margins for many commodities have thinned in recent months alongside elevated production costs and softening prices. Farm loan performance remained historically strong through early 2023, and liquidity levels at many agricultural banks were well-positioned to meet growth in lending demand that could be on the horizon. Farm incomes moderated in all the participating districts during the second quarter following almost two years of considerable strength. Improvement in farm income waned, according to Federal Reserve surveys of ag credit conditions. Loan demand remains subdued despite moderating incomes. While most cow-calf operations in the U.S. remain relatively small and have fewer than 50 cows, USDA says at the other end of the spectrum, a few very large operations with more than 1,000 cows can be found. USDA data from the National Agricultural Statistics Service Ag Census indicates that between 1997 and 2017, most cow-calf operations remain small. In 2017, 54% of farms with beef cows had fewer than 20 animals, down slightly from 1997. However, during the two decades, the overall number of cow-calf operations in the U.S. dropped by 19%, while the average herd size on the remaining operations grew. These changes in farm numbers and herd sizes, while notable, haven't been as significant as industry shifts in hog and dairy production. The combination of relatively low cow-calf-specific startup costs and pasture as a primary source of feed has resulted in a variety of operation sizes. Well, we are about out of time here today on the program. But before we go, I want to mention this as well. I'm getting really excited for the Farm Progress Show happening in Decatur, Illinois, August 29th, 30th, and 31st. And we are going to be broadcasting live with our friends at Trelleborg, their booth number 1062. And that is located on 10th Street. You can't miss it. We're going to be learning more about the HF1000 and 
features that minimize soil compaction, and also a little special treat. I'm going to be joined by our good friend, former host Mike Pearson, will be with me those three days as well as we talk with our friends at Trelleborg and have a great time at the Farm Progress Show. Coming up here just a couple of days, August 29th, 30th, and 31st, we hope to see you there. Indicator Illinois will broadcast AOA Live each morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. with our friends at Trelleborg in booth 1062. All right, we're out of time here on AOA today. Thanks for joining us. I'm Jesse Allen. Have a great rest of your day. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system. From global market access to local expertise, we'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. At Bayer, we think farmers have made enough trade-offs. That's why we created VT4 Pro with RNAi technology, so you don't have to choose between yield potential or our widest spectrum of insect protection. You get both. And you're even protected against notorious pests like corn earworm and corn rootworm. Visit vt4pro.com to trade up without the trade-offs. Read and follow pesticide label directions, IRM grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Copyright 2023 Bear Group, always reserved. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council.